Hey everybody, welcome to episode 69 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. This week, I simply want to give you an update from my world of metal detecting, and I want to talk about DIY metal detecting. So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed the episode this week. If you want to support the show, there are many options available in the links in the episode show notes below. And if you want to interact with me and the show, that information is in there too. But most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I hope you had a great week, whether you are hunting or not flat. So I'm just back from a short camping vacation with zero opportunities to hunt, but that's okay. I did do some work on my kids' metal detecting book, which will be hammered into shape next week, as I have taken some time off work to specifically finish it out, or at least get it as close as I can in the time allotted. I don't know what was in the water this week, but I got some great written reviews on Apple Podcasts, which really brightened my day, so thanks to all who have taken the time to put down your feelings about the pod. It's great when I get to elbow my wife and go, here, look at this, just so I can watch her eyes roll to the back of her head. It doesn't impact the download rate, but it does offer some social proof of quality for a prospective listener. Listen, I love reviews, so keep them coming, but I do have a favour to ask, and I don't normally do this, and I won't do it often, but I'd love if rather than writing me a review, which is great, like I said, but if each of you told one person about the podcast this week, that would be great. And double the show's downloads. Maybe. Fingers crossed, I suppose. More downloads mean I will be in a better position for review units or sponsorship, all of which will ensure the longevity of the podcast. Now, you might need to explain what a podcast is to some people, but that's just fine. Just say it's like a radio show you can listen to on demand. Anyways, anyways, enough begging this week. I want to chat to you about DIY detecting or homebrew customization or tools people have developed to either better the design of a detector or as a bespoke accessory. And as you know, most mainstream accessories begin life as a cobbled together customization on some dude's detector. I love this aspect of the hobby and I've done most, if not all, of the standard ones. But the one I am most proud of myself was with the wireless unit that came with the CTX3030, the WM10. So how this unit worked was that you clipped it to your belt and connected a set of wired headphones to it. And using MindLab's Y-Stream technology, the WM10 connected to the CTX, allowing you to operate the headphones somewhat wirelessly. Now, this all sounds great, and I would go out with my Grey Ghost headphones connected up to my WM10, clip it on and go hunting. Now, the only difference was that rather than connecting to the detector, I now had a great big wire coil connecting to my belt, resulting in me having to untangle myself every time I had to probe or dig a hole, requiring me to change hands all the time to work around the problem. So, as you can imagine, this drove me crazy and was useless for me. So what I did was, I gutted the contents of the WM10, ripping them out and inserting them into the spare space in the grey ghosts behind the ear sponge. The space was tight, so it meant that I had to put the battery behind one cuff, 
and the wireless circuitry behind the other, ensuring to connect the output from the WN10 to the input of the Grey Ghosts. On first test, I thought I made a huge mistake as the audio was way too low and I thought I had scrapped two very expensive pieces of kit. But what had happened was I had filled the cavity in the headphones that allows some form or any amplification resulting in a muffled sound. So to get around this, I simply added an inline 5 volt amplifier, which powered itself off the USB charging circuit and bingo bango, it worked like a charm. That was, I say now about 10 years ago, and my Franken wireless headphones are my go to set for the CTX till only recently when the LiPo battery started to swell up. So I just changed that out for an 18650 LiPo battery, which is the same battery used in Teslas, and it has been working fine since, although it takes nearly four times as long to charge, but also takes ages to discharge now. This is what I'm talking about. And to start, let's talk about two DIY modifications most beach detectors make, with the first one in making a DIY sand scoop from a drain pipe. So essentially you take a foot of 10 inch diameter plastic sewage pipe. In Ireland we call it a wabbing pipe, much like people call vacuum cleaners here hoovers, referring to the brand rather than the item itself. Anyways, take your plastic sewer pipe or wabbing pipe, cap off one end and then taking a forster bit or a large diameter bit, drill several small holes all over the pipe. Some people like to sharpen the cut edges at the open end and with all that done, all that's left is to add a handle. Now, this is by no means a replacement for a steel scoop, but was the minimum viable product that came before all other mass manufactured sand scoops, either metal or plastic. You will get a season or two out of one of these, but save your pennies to eventually replace it with a mass manufactured one in steel. But if you're so inclined, you can of course take this to the next level and make your own out of steel and some dodgy welding skills. The second DIY job most beach detectors take on is to waterproof their detector. Now this is probably not needed anymore with most new detectors being at least IP68 rating, meaning that zero dust will get in and the device can operate below water for several hours under pressure, normally one to three meters. But in my day, the first thing you did was to waterproof your detector by adding silicone caulking between your coil and coil cover, which meant that you had extra protection banging it off stones. But also you caulked around the coil connection to the coil itself. This gave some level of waterproofing till you got to the control box, which was for the most part wrapped in a cover of some sort, but still couldn't be entirely waterproof unless you wanted to fix and caulk the headphones to the control box with the same treatment for all scenes. Now, aren't you glad you don't have to do that one anymore? Other DIY modifications come in the category of ergonomics. In other words, making the operation of the detector easier. For example, any Knox user is familiar with changing out the stock shaft for a lighter carbon fiber one, reducing muscle fatigue greatly. Some go as far as to cut the shaft to length so they don't have a seam which can gather dirt over time, making the shaft heavier. Another ergonomic modification is adding a counterweight to your shaft by adding a pipe to the cuff of your detector behind your elbow, allowing you to adjust the balance of the detector by adding weight behind your elbow in the form of lead shot or sand in the tube. 
this is handy if you're finding that the 17 inch coil abuse the swing and this can definitely help however i suspect unless you've had carpal tunnel syndrome in your elbow you will be completely oblivious to this modification with the advent of 3D printers, we are starting to see the community offer modifications to help the structure or longevity of a detector, such as coil ear straighteners or stiffeners. I myself have one of these on my Equinox, and it has helped. Not that I've noticed any difference, but more of an insurance in case something does happen, and probably making up for bad design by MindLab. We also see people offering probe mounts and control box covers. And with the collective acceptance of USB as the power source of choice, we see external battery pack modifications coming to the fore these days. Listen, these can all be done yourself if you have a 3D printer, or if you don't, the files are readily available for you to send to a company like Shapeways, which is a 3D printing on demand service. However, it may be cheaper to get a friend with a printer to print it for you. And finally, modifications have now entered the realm of personalization. Years ago, personalization was a fancy tape to wrap around your shaft and camo, followed by some text in whiteout. Now, you can still do that, but you can add more flair with things such as a snake skins for your coil wires, bespoke grip designs, or a thicker grip to ease. Maybe that one should be in the ergonomic section. Anyways, you get the idea. With metal detectors, you don't have to take what you get out of the box. You can customize it in any which way you want to, and that's good. Do you have any customizations you've made that is not default? If you have, let me know. The crazier, the better. And that's it for this week. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detection Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectionshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a copy. Actually, if you want to buy me a copy, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metaldetecting. Also, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metaldetecting show. The link will be in the show notes and on our website. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, Please don't hesitate to tell your friends at least one this week, remember, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down, and happy hunting.